0: To a new roadblock, it's fake democracy. We're going up the wrong way, we're going to have to stop. Screaming soft, a secret was they can expose them all. We're going up the wrong way, we're going to have to stop. The the Hello there and welcome to episode fifteen. Fifteen of the Cakewatch podcast, uh, with me, Steve Bullock, an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU, and currently a Brexit geek for Alan Smith, MEP, but here in a personal capacity, (laughs) and I'm here with, well, I'm not here with, actually, Um, I'm here by the the magic of electronic communications with... Me, Chris Kendall, a feckless
1: Eurocrat, Um, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> here in a strictly personal capacity i'm actually not like
0: feckless in a personal capacity yeah uh
1: yeah i'm i'm here um i'm actually on holiday
0: again Is <laughs> are either at lunch or on holiday Chris, <laughs> it?
1: it's the guitar term so i'm deep in darkest home counties Probably, um, oh, they should be upstairs asleep i hope i got my hair are you in a, so I you in a particu-
0: particularly breakfasty area ask.
1: i'm actually sat in the constituency of a remain hero ah which one dominic grieve ah fantastic he, he's my mp oh ah, great didn't vote for him
0: <laughs> well no obviously not. he's a tory but you know
1: but okay. i did i have sent him several letters of endorsement and encouragement
0: oh that's very good of you
1: it's important that he knows that his constituents fully back the line he's taking.
0: Yeah. And I suppose you've got massively long lunch hours to do that in as a bureaucrat <laughs> as well, so it's nice to have the time. No, no, no stereo <laughs> touch. So we've got a bit of follow-up from... Well, um, firstly, thank you very much to uh, Alan Smith for appearing in our uh, episode 14. We had lots of fun with him, and uh, we're glad uh, people who sent us feedback saying that they enjoyed it and that we should have more guests on and we will plan to have more guests on
1: that was great i found myself um what what's the what's the uk english exceptionalist equivalent of mansplaining
0: i was i was Ingl- in- Brits- it, no, there's a word for it. It's Britsplaining. Yeah, but it's when, not Britsplaining when the, when the, Br- when, the Br- when the British explain what's in the EU's interest. Yeah, to but the this the is EU. specifically
1: English explaining to, to the Scots. It was I was being asked about Scots dialect. Oh, this
0: is a uh, uh, yeah. This, is, this must be Eng-splaining, wasn't
1: it? Yeah. Or uni- u- Union splaining? Yeah. So I was I was a word. Of, uh, I was explaining a bit of Scots dialect that I'd never actually heard before in my entire life until um, Alan used it last week. But,
0: Which uh, bit? The weans. Which one was it? the weeans, yeah. Ah, no, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, in Georgia, in Georgia, it would be Bairns. right? I mean, bands, the weeans, yeah, yeah. But it's we uns. Oh, is it? It's a contraction of we for small We ones. Un. We un, weans. Oh, so I thought we, it had to do apostrophe with UN. No, weeans. Oh, you see, nothing to we... do with weaning. I don't think. Uh, Are yeah, no. you
1: UN explaining to me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> i've got Scot- i'm 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 Scott. Explaining to you i think <laughs> yeah i think i think that's fair i think you, yeah
1: <laughs> by the way we should um flag that if you hear if you think that the sound quality is a bit off this week it's because it is yeah um because i forgot all my gear i left it in brussels and here we are podcasting remotely and i didn't bring my fancy microphone with me so i'm doing it through my old gaming headset
0: Yes. <laughs> I can see on screen, and it's a, a genuine relic of, uh, of 2000s and 90s gaming, I think.
1: This this headset saw me grind from naught to level 80 three, at least three World of Warcraft characters.
0: Good grief. <laughs> I've, I've shot you into silence. God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a geek, you know, but... <sighs> I had a little ginger oh, well. ginger, ginger dwarf called Cranky. <laughs> you might want to cut this bit. Yeah, I think we'll cut this bit. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very small part of our, our listenership. We'll know what the hell you're talking about. So. Um, so we've got a bit of follow-up. The first bit of follow-up um, I've got is from episode 14, where somebody who actually, unfortunately, I haven't... I can't remember who... But i'll send them as, i've already thanked them for pointing out as somebody pointed out that I had used the figures incorrectly for the economic impact of different uh different forms of brexit in different regions uh in that I'd said every year, and what i meant to, <clears throat> the figures that i gave i'd said every year, and actually the figures of course, as we know are uh, uh are based are well they're based on how much lower GDP would hmm. be. Than it would have been projected to be in ten years. Mm. Ten years' time, um, what I was trying to get over is that that happens every 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 year.
1: I see. You know, I see.
0: what I was trying to get over: it'll be one5 percent lower in ten years' time than it would have been, and the year after it will be again, and the year after it will be again. You know, I was saying it's not a it's not a one off hit. Mm. I was trying to make make the point. But uh, but thank you for pointing that out. And if anybody does fact che- if anything we've said does need fact checking, please do. Tweet us or dm us or whatever and tell us and uh, because we'd rather be uh, we'd rather be
1: accurate yeah we we are going to correct ourselves when we when we make mistakes, which we do and will uh we are not going to double down on our mistakes and call everybody else a liar, which uh we know we know people who do that, and we won't do that
0: <laughs> yeah we'll we'll try not to
1: anyway i <laughs> um, so we did get some <coughs> we did get some. Uh, feedback from our um, soft brexit episode, which was a couple of weeks ago, so we we we, we took quite a strong position on this, and I think that that 's a position we both hold quite uh, quite sincerely yeah, um, yeah. but um, it 's fair to say that we got some pushback from people saying, Well look, you know, hang on a second, you know okay a soft brexit there 's no way that that 's going to be as as bad an outcome as a hard brexit would be so I think it's worth just sort of clarifying what we're saying here. So um, if you're an EU citizen in the UK or if you're a UK citizen living in the EU, a, an outcome that looks a little bit like the EEA, which includes freedom of movement, of course, is going to address a great many of your concerns. Um, it's certainly a much better outcome than the kind of hard Brexit that we're cu- currently looking, looking at. Left bad. Exactly. Um, I think, you know, economically too, um, as we were saying, I mean, it's not as good as remaining, but it's not as bad as a cliff-edge scenario. Uh, The point that we were making and we will continue to make is that we have two major problems with a soft Brexit scenario. One is that we don't think it's sustainable. We don't think that a soft Brexit is going to be something that – smooths over um, divisions in British politics and British society and it's not going to be something that can be sustained for a long for a long time you know there's still going to be pressure towards some kind of um, cliff edge leave um, scenario
0: yeah and on the on the sustainability I mean I think it's what we're seeing from uh, from hardliners you know the ERG and so on I think is that and what I'm hearing rumors of as well, I have to I have to say, is that they'll they'll do and agree to anything to get over the line of Brexit. They recognise that Brexit yeah. itself is under threat. They recognise that it's working out very fucking badly. And they'll do anything to get over the line. Then they will spend the next years, the transition period and beyond destroying destroying whatever agreement is made there. Yes. To make it harder, to make it yes, worse, to make yes. it you know, and so on. So, um, <clears throat> in that sense, you know, we, the sustainability. It's not just that we. Ob- it's not just. It's not that we objectively think, EFTA and the EEA, are unsustainable for, for example, for their for their current members. Um, what we think is that in the situation that in the situation that we're in. This isn't a panacea. This isn't gonna. This isn't just gonna solve the problems. No. Just people nice talk about it as a compromise.
1: Sorry, sorry, I spoken yeah. over you, yeah. to Steve. No, no, quite. People We're talk about it as a compromise, thinking, yeah, well, you know what, you know, once we've reached a compromise, everybody's going to live with it. And well, no, we don't think it's a compromise. We don't think people are going to live with it. So the first issue yeah. that we have with it is we don't think it's sustainable in the current British political context. And the mm-hmm. second issue, which is my particular pet issue, is that it's not. Um, there's a massive democratic deficit. If you're an EEA member state, if you're an EEA state and you're effectively taking EU legislation, um, you're at a, at a great disadvantage democratically to existing EU member states. So that, that's yeah. my major problem with it. So those are the two yeah, issues.
0: Was, Sorry. No, 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 absolutely. I was, gonna, I was just going to bring up Norway. Um, there's been a report. No, it's, yes, it's a strategy. In fact, it's Norway government Europe strategy. Uh, which has been held up by lots of people as a, uh, I think it was described by Politico as a love letter to, to the to the EU actually, um, and it's been held up as saying you know this is look it, it works brilliantly for Norway. Here's a strategy by the Norwegian government showing uh, all showing all of the benefits. How in much it. influence they um, have? <laughs> well, I think well, I, but I think that's the thing is that it does show it does show that it brings Norway lots of lots of benefits in terms of the single market. It also says that Norway should seek to be extending its market access to 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 fisheries actually, and it looks like it looked like a big hint that they wanted the single market to apply to fisheries as well mm. um, in the in the longer run um, and then there's two things there 's a large amount about how they need how they have some influence and they need to have more influence and I think this is exactly the point is that um, yes, there are opportunities to have some influence but the choice about how much influence you actually have is made by is made by others um, in in the in this situation, and and actually there's a recognition in that paper which is absolutely. I mean, we shouldn't mischaracterise. It's absolutely positive about Norway's place in the EEA. The second thing about the the Norway paper, the Norway strategy, is that it makes the point that there is consensus for Norway to be in the EEA, and we know that no politicians want to in Norway. Mm. Want to reopen the question of EU membership because it's uh, because the, the 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 campaigns that were had were were mm. were rather were were rather toxic, um, and that there is widespread there's a widespread agreement to that, uh, you know this will this will do for now. They're going to live with it because yeah. we, we're going to yeah because we're going to we're they're going to live with it. So, these situa- so the situation Norway finds in is very very different to the situation that. A member State leaving the eu with an, with um, a lot of a lot of politicians who are exceptionally hostile towards even the existence of the eu let alone uh, let alone membership of the u k membership of the eu so it 's a very very different situation in terms of the, in terms of the sustainability and n- norwegian uh, politicians and press and so on you know admit that even in the strategy it admits that they don't have the influence that they would have if they were they were members of the of the EU. The the Norwegian government's own website says yeah. this, you know. So so pretending that you're going to or pretending that there's going to be a massive you know, the UK would walk in and there's going to be a massive massive reform programme and the UK is going to get any everything it's going to it it, it wants, you know, is this is, uh, this is a this is it's it's unfair to to characterise it yeah as, as, as that
1: but look i mean the, the bottom line is um we have our reasons for um thinking that a soft brexit isn't all that it's been cracked up to be by certain people um and the bottom line is um you know if the worst happens and we leave next year and brexit happens you know we'll be at the front of the campaign fighting for a softer brexit we'll push soft brexit all the way but until that point we're not there yet. Right it's now, a, a, we're fighting any Brexit. It's a, it's
0: exactly, and I mean, my argument is that it's not a, uh, is that it's, a, it's the it's the least bad version of Brexit. Uh, but in itself, it's in itself, it's bad. It's not a it's not a it's not a positive thing. It's not something. It's not something any, any of
1: us should be settling for right now. Yeah, we don't absolutely. have to settle for it right now because there's still the not possible. Without a shadow of a doubt, there is still the possibility that we could remain. So that's what absolutely. we need to be fighting
0: Very for. Very much so.
1: Absolutely. Okay. that's us follow up. So so we thought this week we would talk about cakeism. <laughs> um,
0: Which we don't talk about all the time, actually. No, exactly.
1: Um, and, and, you we know, used it, to. I remember in the early
0: days when we used to talk about <laughs> cakeism all the time. Used to, it, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is in, in the name of the podcast. Um, so we really ought to be, you know, um, when, when cake is on the, um, when, when cake is in the news... Uh, cake is what we should be talking about, and this week it is in the news because there was a very interesting, uh, very interesting article in the Guardian uh, by Jennifer Rankin, who's the Guardian's um, correspondent here in Brussels, who uh, had a scoop, which was a briefing from a senior EU source, um, basically saying, "Listen, you lot are still after your cake and eating it." Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly, and it was uh, it was a f- it was a fantastic it was a fantastic piece full of super quotable sections. But it was um, very telling. It was it came just before a, a Barnier speech in Lisbon, um, saying many of the same things. But clearly, I think it, you know it it takes quite a lot for senior negotiators at this juncture in a negotiation. To decide that the only way they can get their point across is to go to the press and to uh, very deliberately pass a few messages like that, really kind well, of the shaming la- the, the la- other side.
0: Well, the last time we had it with the uh, the leak of the uh, <clears throat> the leak of the number ten ten visit, yeah, by yeah. Juncker. Yeah. I mean that, that was that was the last yeah. time that. People involved were so frustrated that they, they considered that yeah. to be the that to be the the, yeah. only, the only option.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I, I've got it here. Should I read out? Yes. I read out some of the quote from the quote? So the senior official say, said, "I have to say, on the basis of this week's discussions, I'm a bit concerned because the precondition for fruitful discussions has to be that the UK accepts the consequences of its own choices. I'm concerned that if the current debate continues in three months' time, it will be the EU that will be made responsible for the Brexit decision." We need the UK to accept the consequences of its own decisions. And then and he goes a bit flattery here, which I thought was an effort to paraphrase "The Leopard" by Tomasa de Lampedusa. <laughs> I have the impression that was on my thinks- list actually. That
1: was on one of my books. Was, was, that on of, was that
0: on one of your lists? I had to look. I had to look. I had to. I had to look this up because I didn't have your education, Chris. Um, I have the impression that the UK thinks everyone has to change on everything has to change on the EU side, so that everything can stay the same for the UK. I mean, there's a in In three very short paragraph sentences here there's there's a hell of a lot i mean so you've got in the first one you've got not accepting the consequences of its own choices um and really importantly that being the precondition for 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 effective negotiations yeah um and then you have the idea that uh the eu will be held responsible and we've talked about this a bit about the emerging blame myth which has been. Pushed heavily. Yeah. Now I I point out in a thread that if if this is impinging into the actual negotiation mm-hmm. room, this is really 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 very serious. It really I mean, is. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to spin it at home for domestic consumption, and 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 extremely dangerous to do that in my view as well for many reasons. But if this is genuinely impinging in the negotiation room, then that's a, a a big problem. And then we have the last the last part. The UK thinks everything. He has the impression mm. that the UK thinks everything has to change on the EU side so that everything can stay the same yeah. for the UK. Yeah. And and, and that, is exactly, that
1: impression is entirely justified because that is exactly yeah, what they've been saying. Um, there was a fantastic um, parallel. This is going off a slight tangent, but I have to bring this in because it's such a great story. So um, in the United States, um, 130 years ago, um, in the state of Indiana there was an attempt to legislate the value of (laughs) pi. So the the Indiana state legislature decided on the advice of um, a scientist, or a so-called scientist, (laughs) who had thought he had worked out a definitive value for pi, decided that they would legislate this until ridicule stopped them at the last minute and they threw it (laughs) out. <laughs> uh, what a fantastic parallel! I mean, okay, for, if, for pie in Indiana, read cake in the UK. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> the universe has to change <laughs> in order yeah. to conform to the reality that we have shaped for ourselves.
0: And you can you can you can imagine you can imagine people like David David sitting in the room saying. But we've said this will happen. Yeah. We've said we'll get this, so you have to. Yeah. You have to give us this because we've said we. Yeah. But we've told people. We've told people they won't be happy about it. Yeah. And people on the other side of the table going, "Look, guys, you know <laughs> this, is, this is not this is not our problem. I'm really, I'm really, really sorry." And you, we so I, did hearing... a, I did a. Can I can I tell them about yeah. my tweet? So I did a tweet with. Um, uh, which, which I was trying to, to, to sum it up because there's been a few things there's been Galileo this week yeah. uh, where the rules state that uh, there are limits to the access to information I think I'm not an expert on this by any means at all so this does need fact checking um, but as far as I can understand it uh, things like source code uh, are only available for EU e members uh, but you know you c- certain elements of information can be shared with can be shared with with Third countries by arrangement, but not every, But yeah. everything can't yeah. be. Then there was the idea that the UK wouldn't be eligible for Galileo related contracts, yeah. uh, Airbus specifically, yeah. um, which it won't be because the rules state that only EU companies are, for security reasons, only EU companies are eligible. <clears throat> and then there was a the point about with the European defence Defense, exactly. fund, um, um, which is going to be half a billion. Was it half billion? Well, it's or the no? new it's, – it's, I think uh, – I
1: think. is it not talking about the new um, fund for the CSDP missions that instead of having direct contributions from member states, they're going to set up – because it's not part of the budget. So uh, this is – yeah, So and it's and a – it's, it's the um, it. peace facility. Um, so you, you had the African peace facility. So in the next financial f- uh, framework, they're going to have a, a European peace facility, which will
0: – th- no, I is thought that this not is the a, same a, one? This, no, this is a fund about defe- this is a fund about defense acquisitions. I'm sure the UK companies weren't going to be weren't going to be eligible. Oh yeah, yeah, for, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, Okay, yeah,
0: and yeah, of course, and, and yeah, of course, they're not going to be eligible for them because American companies aren't eligible for them either, or, or, or Guatemalan companies, and. uh <laughs> yeah, the, the, the shock and, and on... these, these are a direct consequence. And th- mm. the other thing is that the, the UK participated in the making of these rules. Yeah, obviously. I mean, to hold up your hands now and go, what? What? We mm. didn't know about this. What new fucker? You know, what alchemy is this that you've suddenly changed the mm. rules to not allow this? You know, the, the the UK the the UK was involved in making the rules in this. Um, and I heard, I don't know, it's entirely unsubstantiated, I should say, but I did hear from one person that, that it had been a UK insistence that uh the exclusivity for, for uh information for Galileo. Um so yeah I did this tweet which is um it's the UK speaking to the EU. Um we should have done this as a little playlist a play a play in a play um so the UK says uh we're leaving. UK the EU, okay. The UK properly mined, no single market or customs union. I've tried to fit in none of that shite or malarkey, <laughs> uh but couldn't fit in. And the EU says, yeah, we've got it, a third country. Then the UK says, does third country mean we keep access to EU programmes, agencies, data, markets, contracts, agreements and decision-making? And the EU says, uh, no, no, it doesn't. The UK says, the EU is ruining Brexit. You're ruining <laughs> our Brexit by not letting us have all of those things. And this, is re- this really seems to be the... <laughs> the actually, I mean,
1: It's the, the, tweet of the tweet of the year, isn't it? It's, it's taken off. <laughs>
0: But if you want, if you, if you want the benefits of membership, you you become a member, and something that I found, I mean, we, so I th- I think it's useful if we actually talk about why this is the case, mm. you know, because there's definitely a view, a genuinely held view among some commentators that this is just belligerence, mm. that actually you know the EU can change all of these rules, that you know it's, it's belligerent on their part or. There's the, the the myth that's constantly spread by the far right press that uh, that it's punishment, you know. Mm. Um, so I think it's useful if we talk a bit about why about why these things are the case, about why it's difficult for the UK to participate in certain agencies, mm. about why uh, why you'd be excluded from from being able to bid for contracts for certain things, and what you know why. Uh, why can't... I thought the other day, why can't the EU just relax, relax their insistence on freedom of movement, you yeah. know? So I think it's useful if we talk about that Yes, I think it is. I, I mean, it's,
1: it's not as if we haven't talked about this many times, um, but I think it bears talking about, again, um, just simply because there just does seem to be a, a mental block on the part of many people in the UK who, who just can't quite understand why... they they see it as rigidity and inflexibility and Mm. the senior source in jennifer's article um quite rightly pointed out that no no no, this isn't rigidity this is this is a rules-based system and rules rules are not inflexible. rules can be changed but there's a there's a method and a system for changing rules you can't just change rules willy-nilly or on the fly because then you know then then you'd have anarchy no you have rules if you want to change the rules change the rules using the system.
0: You need to be a member to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, you can't. The I mean, <laughs> Obviously. So, so, you know, about uh, treaty change, you know, things that things that would require treaty change, this is, this, is, this is put about as if... And, I mean, we had this with the EA agreement as well, as if the EA agreement could could just be amended very, very easily, you know, to suit, to suit the UK preferences... And it's the same with it's the same with treaties, and it's the same with EU law. When you reopen the treaties, you're talking about a discussion between member states for for several years, mm. usually, um, and you're talking about long, hard negotia- negotiations between them. There's a cost to this, mm. you know. Uh, there's uncertainty about what the new treaties will mm. today We've talked about the cost of uncertainty, and and it's a really huge pro- huge process to mm. to put the union and Member States through. And to do it for the preferences of a uh, leaving Member State mm. is absolutely bonkers. I mean mm. there's no way that you, you would do that. I mean there have been various times when big Member States have been talking about treaty change and mm. and it's been resisted. You know?
1: Well I've got I mean I've, my theory is that the the, the the Whitehall thinking and the Westminster thinking is colored by previous treaty revisions and by what happened in Ireland and in, and in France uh, and, and with the Dutch when it came to um, failure to ratify treaty changes or, or, or third-party, third-country agreements. Yeah. Um, and then there, there, was, there was a tweak done or there were some changes made or there's something, something was done to, 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 to smoothen to meet the wrinkles and, yeah. and meet concerns and mean that they could go back. Try again and get um, uh, and get assent get 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 assent to this uh, treaty or get assent to this treaty and um, this agreement and you know and that's that's the framework that's the context that, that in which they say well you know why can't we you know it, it's the same for the the uh, Keir Starmer idea of going back and renegotiating should should. The withdrawal agreement be rejected by Parliament. Mm. It's like, yeah, of course they can go back and make a future. But we are in a fundamentally different context with, with yeah, Brexit. Absolutely. Because yeah. we're talking about a, a country that's leaving, that's going to become third uh, third country. So it's not as if you're accommodating one of your own and making minor to get, changes to get, consensus. To get yeah. consensus. You've got consensus. The consensus is on the 27 side. Mm. What, what, mm. What, what is in it for the 27? Having secured an agreement that they can live with, what's in it for them to go back and change it simply to placate the UK? And if, if by placating the UK, obviously that means weakening what you've gained yourselves.
0: Yeah, and this goes for this goes. For, but but I mean, the example that keeps coming up is freedom of movement. You know, the idea that there can be a renegotiation of freedom of movement. That freedom of movement is the the weak the mm. weakest of the four. Mm. In the, you yeah. know, and. Again, this this really isn't the case because you've got a Europe that considers that it works that it works for those for them mm. um, and who recognise that uh, who re- recognise that weakening this will be costly for them in the long run, will will be will have bad consequences for them in the long run. So and it would take it would take a massive effort to change this, and you can't just change rules for one. It doesn't work like that. And again, again, we come back to we come back to Norway in this, this, uh, this uh, strategy by Norway. Um, Norway was absolutely clear that any additional benefits the UK gets, Norway will mm. be mm. Norway will be looking for. Yeah, of course. Mm. So because and they even talk, Norway even talks about it being a rules based about it being a rules based system and the benefits of it being mm. a, a, a rules based system. So it's not just an EU preference. To not make major changes, to not make major changes to procurement rules, mm. to not make major changes to eligibility criteria, to and uh, and so to not weaken one of the one of the 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 the, the, the four pillars of the of the single market. Um, it's not just about it's not just about a weak preference. It's not that they would prefer not to do it. It's that in some cases it's almost impossible to do it. Um, and in other cases, it's it, expecting absolutely unreasonable mm. levels of change. Mm. And we've seen this with Barnier's speech the other day was talking about respecting the sovereign the sovereignty of mm. the, the, the autonomy of the of the EU EU legal system. Mm. Okay. So so Come. what so what people who are saying this, you know, just adjust it, just change, why can't you just change? What what you're saying what they're saying is we're leaving, but you, you, have to, you have to change and you have to change everything and you have to get agreement between all 27 of your member states for these changes and the change of, some of the changes we want aren't beneficial to you. Um, actually, you'll benefit, you know, you'll potentially benefit from more contracts from things and then you have to get the European Parliament to agree to it as well. Um, and you have to do, and you, but most of all, you have to do this for us. You have to do this because of the policy choices, not just because of brexit, but because of the policy choices about brexit that that we've made and of course the the the, the only possible response to this is no we, we can fat around the edges a bit and we can you know there's some things we there's some minor changes we can make and 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 so on, but no um, because we'll have to make the changes for the uh, as well uh People who come to us for trade deals will want similar, will want the same, will want the same terms. Uh, it, it's, it's, an, it's an absurd request. And what we've got, what I think people have to remember about this is that the EU provided a menu. The EU didn't come and say, "Okay, you've decided to leave the EU. This is how it's going to be." The EU provided the Barnier staircase that we talk about all the time, and this gives a set of options mm. with mm. a set of rules and responsibilities. And plots it against the UK's red lines, and says, "If you want to change those red lines, these are the things that are these are the things that are available for you." Um, yeah.
1: But imagine well, I mean, I should, you
0: should you should always imagine that it's another me- that this never happened, that there was no Brexit referendum, and another member state was leaving. Yes. You, and just put yourself in the position of a British government, where with another member state leaving who was asking mm-hmm. for changes that would be that would would be against uh, the UK's perceived perceived interest. Yeah, I mean, of course, send them away with a flea in the rear. It all leads back
1: to issues that we have discussed several times on this podcast. Now, um, leaders, uh, re- leaders, listeners are going to start getting um, bored by us talking about this, but it's about basic negotiation golden rules. Know yourself. Know your opposite part. Know the opposite party. It's it's about knowledge. It's about understanding. It's about expertise. Um, And it's also about Whitehall and Westminster exceptionalism. And all these things come together in a way which is just really bad for these negotiations and really bad for the UK. And you're seeing it in... I mean, everything that the... Senior EU source is saying in this <laughs> in this uh, in this interview with with, with Jennifer Rankin comes down to these two factors. It's about the British not knowing how to negotiate properly because they don't understand what it is that they want themselves, and they don't yeah. understand the EU. And one of the reason that they don't understand the EU side is that they have become locked and trapped in this exceptionalist mindset where. They're special, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. It, the point you just made about you know how would they feel if another member state were doing this, trying to leave? You know, what if it was the Greeks trying to leave, or if it was the Hungarians trying to leave? Uh, how would the UK feel if the Hungarians had been asking all, for all of these things? They'd be <laughs> they would they would give them extremely short shrift. Well, yeah, but. They're Hungarians. They're not British.
0: <laughs> yes, British special, like aren't they? <laughs> yeah, no, because uh, they're really Johnny. Think, yeah. Because they're Johnny as well. Yeah. It's just a question of, of di- different Johnnies. Yeah, I, I really different think sets this is of Johnny foreigners. Yeah, I, I'm I, I, I this really is think it. it's the
1: only explanation, to be honest. And and what what does that then tell us? I think that that that, that is extremely bad news because how is that going to change?
0: And you saw the rea- the reaction to this stuff. Yeah, it's super defensive. Been, yeah, yeah, it's been incredibly defensive, and it's. I mean number ten said this week um that you shouldn't we shouldn't deal in sound bites and that we sh- the <laughs> negotiations should be focused on uh the, the the welfare the welfare of citizens It's astonishing you go, it was just absolutely astonishing <laughs> to 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 openly say that eu citizens are are are, are bargaining chips and then <laughs> to to lecture others about it being for the benefit of citizens i mean their own the government's own analysis shows. The, their choice of model of Brexit is more damaging for citizens, <laughs> economically it's, it's, for citizens, it's, it's, it's than, than all the other ones. It's jaw-dropping, it's jaw-dropping. It
1: is, it's, it's becoming, we, we are now so far down this um, path that we're, we're completely desensitised to just how jaw-droppingly
0: brass neck did, brass neck this is. Uh, David Allen Green did an absolutely wonderful tweet this week where he, he said, 2016... Brexit means Brexit! Exclamation mark. Yeah, yeah. UK Brexit means Brexit! Exclamation mark. Twenty eighteen, the EU saying Brexit means Brexit. Full stop. Yeah. And the two years has been the journey from that exclamation yeah. mark to the full stop. Yeah. But the UK is still using the fucking exclamation mark, yeah. and to say it not to use sound bites when you've been going around saying Brexit means Brexit. Yeah. Red, like, white, and blue I Brexit. Mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, really, it's just it's 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 really <laughs> beyond belief. I never thought. I never thought it would be done this incompetently. You know, I, I always thought bre- whatever happened, Brexit would be damaging, that there's no good Brexit. But it, it didn't have to be like nobody, this. Nobody, I mean, nobody It really, really, really didn't have to be like this.
1: Well, wow. isn't, is, is, isn't this um, a moment then when we should uh, bring in the Ivan Rogers speech? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely that was that was quite something that that was i mean when i when I first started reading through it I, I remember I almost instantly um, direct messaged you with it and said, yeah have oh, yeah, you seen absolutely. this because this is dynamite stuff and it is it was it's a all of the things that we 've been talking about um, he he his speech is is, is quite long it 's quite a long read, um, but it 's so worth reading because yeah, read he it, read really it. does go into all of these reasons why what we're asking for is simply impossible and why it's not that the EU is being awkward or difficult, it's that we are not understanding how the EU operates and we're, effecti- we're effectively asking the EU to dissolve itself effectively, to, 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 to become something other than it is, simply yeah. in order to do us a favour because we're leaving. I mean, it just, just does not work. It doesn't compute. So it's a very, very good speech in that regard and from Ivan Rogers who, you know, um, <laughs> and it's hard to overstate quite how essentially – what an essential part of the machinery he, he, he was right up until the point where he was effectively sacked. Yeah. Um, and and certain by, by no stretch of the imagination could he be described as some kind of fifth columnist remainer, although of course lots of people have been trying to.
0: No, no, and actually, we see. I mean, you see a, uh, you see, a, in some ways, a sort of a, a defence of Brexit itself in it. I mean, the, the the speech the speech is about what the realities of what the realities of Brexit are, mm. you know, and about dispelling the misconceptions and and, and so on. Um, but uh, you know, he's 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 not calling for for Brexit to be abandoned. He's he's calling for it to be entirely, you know. <laughs> for the realities of it to be faced and dealt with mm-hmm. um, uh and i mean there are but there are bits of uh there, there are also some bits of uh of exceptionalism in it itself as well you know yeah um, yes but, you're right but yeah. in, but in terms
1: of, ha- of of providing a dose of reality um as regards the eu what it's to the EU, what the EU is and what it isn't. Um, I mean, in that, in that respect, at least, it's essential reading for the UK side.
0: Yeah. And it's clearly being ignored. There's, there's lots of great quotes from it, but I think there's a really great one that says, you simply cannot, with any honesty or coherence, make an argument for taking back control and full autonomy of decision-making on the UK side of the channel and simultaneously argue for the EU27 to restrict to a certain extent its own autonomous yeah. decision-making, precisely in order to give you, a non-member of the club, a real say in the direction of its policy. Yes. Think about it for a second. I mean, for, you know, <laughs> just think about it for a second.
1: Who who would, who would ever contemplate that? Yeah. It's yeah, the most unre- unreasonable and unrealistic thing to ask anyone. It's not just that they're asking it, they're just almost taking it for granted that that's what will happen. And their entire strategy has been built well, – oh they don't have a strategy – but their entire approach has been built on the assumption that that's something that will – they don't even need to ask for it. Of course they'll get that. So it's, it's yeah. what they so, ask for that they're debating over, what kind of unrealistic cake that
0: they, they demand, not whether or not. <laughs> yeah. So, he gives he gives he gives, gives lot he gives lots of exa- lots of examples of this happening, but there's a, a really good one on data um, is that, understandably from outside, it, the UK is concerned that it's become voiceless in the data realm on the global stage by becoming voiceless on the European one, and its paper this is the UK government paper on on data cooperation, and its paper therefore makes a case for why we should still some, be somehow involved in setting policy for the block for the EU. But why exactly should the EU permit an existing member of the club to codify the rules, an exiting member of the club to codify the rules of the club? Mm. And indeed, how can it when the UK will not be in the council or the European Parliament when future legislation is decided? I mm. mean, yeah, in what in what way in what way is 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 the UK going to be involved in decision making here? Um, yeah, I mean, but this in a way this, this brings us back to the
1: um exceptionalist nonsense that we've been hearing from the soft Brexiters too where they've been talking about oh yeah but you know in the EEA you know the UK would be a huge player in the EEA and we we would be very influential. And you're thinking what on what planet do you think that being outside is going to be
0: as influential or nearly as influential as being on the inside. Yeah, and it's not it's not nothing. The EEA doesn't have no influence on on the EU. Uh uh, but it, but the the amount of influence it has is the choice of the EU in in each individual case. And and it's and, not it's not the choice of the it's not the choice yeah. of the EU and it and it won't be and therefore, I mean, there's no possibility. I mean, zero 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 possibility of the UK being given more say than than EEA member states. I mean, why, well, how 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 possibly could you how could how could how could any European official or politician then meet the Norwegian Prime Minister and say yes, but yeah, if you're you're not getting it. Uh, yeah. Well, think I think, I think the British it's absolutely impossible.
1: Well, the British argument is that well, um, that we we're the we'll argument is that we're British. No, the British argument is that we'll come in as this super important big player, and you lucky Norwegians, uh, you, you'll get to be. Uh, you'll get to ride on our coattails and we'll come in and we'll be far more powerful and it'll be a proper kind of meeting of equals between the EEA and the EU. Not understanding, A, that the EU member <laughs> states are also in the EEA and B, it, 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 it's not even a case of not understanding. It seems to me that there, ha- there has to be some deliberate selective blindness going on where people simply will not will not look the European Parliament in the face. They will not look the EU's Various institutions that have been developed with a with a, with a view to reducing and, 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 and getting rid of the democratic deficit, yeah. they simply will not look those in that they don't like them, and therefore they're sticking their fingers in their ears, and they're like la 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 la, we can't see you, we can't hear you, you don't exist, and so this the, <laughs> this,
0: this is the thing. This goes back to our federalism thing about the, the, the more democratic EU institutions get, the the the, the more uh, anti-Europeans hate it. Yeah, the more they hate, it more it
1: annoys them because it, it it looks more and more like a democratic modern sort of state structures and that's exactly what they don't want and therefore yeah, yeah. it's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre
0: so the, so what the, for maybe what the uk is saying is oh but it's all it's all just agreed up it's all just agreed and stitch up in the middle yeah. of the night anyway um so you can just do that for this yes know? exactly so that
1: it comes yet again it comes back to what we we're saying about understanding um your what what you're dealing with and being honest with what you're dealing with and knowing what it is that you're dealing with. It's, it's genuine knowledge, not pretending that it's something that you wish it was or you pretend or that you want it to yeah, be, not, yeah. not assuming that it's something that you've always told the, the press that it is. No, it's, it's, it's actually being honest with yourself about what it is. And they are not honest with, with themselves. But, they've put, them,
0: but they've, they've put themselves in a position where they, they almost can't be honest with themselves, though, because yeah. they've said. We'll have the exact same benefits of the of the single market. They've said that nothing will change for uh, for, for for citizens. You know, they've 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 used they've they've, <laughs> they've committed themselves to catechism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, once there's an argument that actually once you've done that, you should believe your own lies because otherwise they'll just you know they'll they'll just crumble under you instantly. The the difficulty is that it's 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 an agreement that's going to crumble under them. You know that there's not. I mean. You've got, to, you've got to start thinking that no, that no deal is potentially back on the table yeah. here, mm. which is, which is an hor- absolutely horrendous process well, no,
1: I, I think the no deal has always been on the table um, and it has always been probably there with a higher probability than most people uh, want to realise or want to admit mm. um, I, th- I, th- I do think it, it, it's always probably been somewhere between a no deal and a softish Brexit and um, or, or Or no brexit, and yeah i I, I'm, I'm, I still think it 's very much on the cards the way things are going
0: i mean the, the alternative the alternative, I guess is that the government simply you know faces down the ERG and 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 calls their bluff that they will agree to anything to get over the line and just softens and softens and softens, but i mean i mean the the the, the attempts to extend the backstop. On Northern Ireland to the whole of the UK, and then to set a time limit on it. I mean, really, it was amateur? I mean, absolute amateur, amateur hour. I mean, what you, you what you could have done, you could have even gone with a request for this. You know, you could have felt it out first and gone with a request yeah. for it, or something. Or said said you wanted something based on that. You know, but. But they, but they did, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the argument in cabinet in, in 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 public, and then came up with a unsatisfactory solution, which was then rejected instantly. Yeah, it's just it's just amateur There was a good. There was a, there was an article, I think, by Bloomberg about uh, arguing that basically Ollie Robbins and Sabine Wayand, by being able to work together, are kind of have been con- constantly saving the whole thing from, from collapse, you know? And then, of course, this started, a, uh, this started a, 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 a lot of roaring and gnashing of teeth from the right wing that, uh, that Robbins is too close to his opposite number, you know, because it, it, when, apparently when negotiations get to a sort of deadlock, the two of them will go for a, go for a walk together around the corridors in the, in, in the Burlimore, you know, and try, and try and work through it and try and find solutions. Which is and how you do these things. Which exactly, exactly how you do how you do these things. I mean, in negotiations, when the chairman says, "Perhaps now would be a good time to pause for coffee," they're not saying that they're thirsty <laughs> and want some coffee. They're saying that uh, we don't fe- seem to be able to find a satisfactory solution to this. Maybe the pe- maybe the people with the strongest views on it should go and, should go and talk to each other and see if there's any leeway. You know, um, so actually, you know, there's, there's a possibility that the 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 uh, the lead officials. Negotiating this, have actually been holding the holding the whole thing together. Oh, it's against the absolute idiocy coming from oh, but, coming mean, from the government. It's more then. than
1: a possibility, Steve. This this isn't one hundred percent cast iron certainty. Do you, can you imagine if it weren't? Imagine if if David Davis were actually the person leading the negotiation. Oh. No, it's, it's quite. It's obviously been Ollie Robbins all the way through. Clearly, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I. Um, that the fact that you're getting this senior source uh, saying these things to a British newspaper last week is is what is what's so worrying. So really, it's, it's. I I think maybe it's interesting for us to speculate for a second, and let's just flag these disclaimers once more that we're here in a strictly personal capacity because we yeah, do no, we absolutely. do know the people involved. Obviously, we do know we do know them personally, some of them very well. But um, but this is but we are. That we're not I, I'm certainly not in, in the loop on all of this stuff personal relationships are one thing but when it comes to this profession, you know, professionally I'm not in the loop on this at all I'm very much not in the loop on this and I'm doing this in a very sort of private capacity so I know I bang on about it but I really do want to stress that
0: No, um, no I should say because well, I, do, I, know, I specifically don't talk to you know, ex-colleagues in the, yeah. in the UK could so put yeah. them in an impossible position. Yeah, so likewise, right.
1: likewise. I've got very close friends uh, involved in this at a very senior level and I simply do not talk to them about it at all because it just wouldn't be appropriate and I'm not involved no, in this. Quite. So, you know, so, so, you know it, I think maybe it would be interesting for us then to speculate. What, what's, what's the tactic here in what, what brought the EU side to this extremity where it felt that it had to um, brief the British press? On what's happening, and what do they think that they can
0: achieve by well, think, that? They gain by that. Well, I think. I mean, I think. I think there's two things. There's a, there's a short term issue and there's a long term issue. The short term issue is that, contrary to uh, contrary to popular belief, no deal is not in the EU's interests either. I mean, it's it's in nobody's interest. No deal is, is is dreadful for everyone. It'll hurt the UK substantially more than it'll hurt the EU. But the negotiating team have been charged by the member states to 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 get an agreement and to have an orderly Brexit. I mean, the the the, the first objective of the EU in this is for it to be if if for it to be orderly mm-hmm. um, and not to be chaotic and not to be not not to be a catastrophic catastrophic cliff edge. Um, so, and I think I think that's 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 important to remember. That's not to say that that's not to say that they wouldn't. That it that it can't happen. That's not to say that it can't happen at all, but the object the objective is to is is to avo- avoid avoid that happening. Sure, sure, sure. But I mean, so but so, I mean, this is and this is pushing. I think this is about uh, this is about making it clear that reality has to be. Just like the Roger, exactly the same as the Roger speech, that reality has to be faced, or that or that is a real possibility. Because I mean, there, there's, there's certainly going to be
1: some work on the EU side, prepping stakeholders, prepping the council, the EU 27 um, format um, council bodies, saying things are, things are not going well, and the problem is on the other side, and and they are not. They are not accepting reality and therefore we have to be prepared that this isn't going to work because, you know, you can oh, yeah, lead a the horse to water been, and you can't and make it drink. Put,
0: and the commission's been putting out papers on the consequences of no deal for, for specific yeah, sectors.
1: Exactly. So, so th- that important work is being done. But this interview obviously isn't to be seen in that context. This, this interview is very much targeting a, a UK audience.
0: Well, I think that's the long term. The long term objective is to, is to avoid this blame me. Mm-hmm. Because the blame myth is uh, you can imagine a situation where uh, brexit 's gone very badly we don't don 't know we have to it 's not a huge stretch of the imagination to imagine Brexit going very badly where brexit 's gone very badly the realities have set, set in during the, uh, the period after the tran, after the transition period. You can imagine with the press the, the right wing press and uh, the the uh, the influences. Within within Parliament as well, against the EU, this blame myth becoming uh, becoming an orthodoxy, becoming standard standard stuff. The Brexit we could have had a lovely Brexit were it were it not for that pesky EU. Mm. And this this could be incredibly dangerous. We could get to the point where the, where the public or Parliament or the government at the time, uh, if the government has uh, gone further down the rabbit hole uh, towards the E.R.G. Um, are not in a position to conclude even relatively simple cooperation agreements with the, with the EU. And I mean, this is one of the deepest, deepest worries about the whole thing for me, is that it could get to the point where UK-EU cooperation is fraught, is incredibly, is incredibly difficult. And I mean, this, is bad for, this isn't just bad for the EU, this is bad for everybody in the EU, it's bad for the UK, it's bad for Europe as a whole, and it's bad for the world as a whole. And this is the, I mean, I think this is the big worry with uh, the blamers, but I think, I think the, the primary objective of this is to get, to get them to see that not only do they have to face reality in policy terms, but they have to, go, they have to do the job and go and sell this at home as well. <sighs> because, I mean, I, there's been no expectation management by the government. Mm. The government's, all the government's done is promised. It's promised stuff that's unachievable. It's promised stuff that's, that's, yeah. that's uh, that, that that it's promised one thing that cancels out the possibility of the second thing. I mean, consistently, um, so there's been no expectation expectation management at uh, at home in the in in the least. And actually, what the government should have been doing from the very earliest uh, the very earliest time is saying they are going to be serious trade offs. We're going to have to trade. Uh, notions, of, we're going to have to tra- trade some notions of sovereignty against the economic damage. We're going to have to maintain cooperation, you know, and, 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 and managing managing expectations about yeah. what Brexit means. And they're, they're just really, you know, they've never done that mm. for political, political reasons. Um, and, I mean, this is going to have to get through, maybe there's also a worry that, they, you know, this has to get through the House of Commons. Well, whatever's agreed has to get, does have to get through the House of Commons as well. Mm. So, what do you think? What do you, what's your view about why they're why they're doing this? And it's not just to score points. Well, because I, because mm, that doesn't work. do I, I, I no, can't I mean no, there's no, no point. The no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> this is this is
1: this is obviously a, a deliberate tactical move. And um, I, I, my my fear is that I, I can't see that it. I can't see any reason for doing this that isn't desperation. Uh, And we're not talking about panic because that's not the the right emotion. That's not the right word. But a sense of literal desperation in the sense of hope is gone. Hope is going. Yeah. yeah. yeah, We are approaching the end of the track and we are hurtling towards the buffers. And normal, normal, the normal rules of negotiation seem to be suspended with the – you know we can't relate to these people in the normal way, and something needs to be done to jerk them out of this irresponsible complacency. And yeah. so, therefore, we have to go directly to uh, British political society and British public through British media and 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 galvanise people who are you know who who might um, be able to. Uh, exert more influence from 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 the home front, and it seems to me to be that that seems to me to be such a desperate <laughs> tactic because <laughs> this government is so clearly not open to that kind of um, manipulation. Uh, manipulation is the wrong word. They're simply not open to influence from 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 people at home, and political society.
0: Yeah, quite. So effort. so
1: and, and and Brussels knows this perfectly well. So I think that's what makes think, me think, think it's such a desperate move. I mean.
0: But I think the islands. I think I think the desperation comes over Ireland as well. I mean, (laughs) there's been no progress on Ireland since Mm. the since the agreement was made in December. eh? I mean, we're heading for six months. Well, five months uh, since then, and there's been there's been no progress on it whatsoever. Um, I mean, this is (laughs)
1: even even in the shock of the immediate aftermath of the referendum result. Even in the shock of that um, change of leadership and point and, and, and the appointments that Theresa May made, even at that point, you could never have imagined that we would be at this in in this in this situation. So so you know so soon before the
0: Brexit date. It's, it, no, it's no. Nobody could have imagined it. Even I think, I think I even think last year after the election, you couldn't. Yeah. And think about how the date slipped. You know, for so the, June, the June council was the yeah. the aim to get stuff you know broadly agreed in principle, so that it could then put, be put into legal form. Yeah, and then there could be negotiations on the on the on the on the detail of the text over the summer, so that it could be it could go to the October council to get sign off, and then be sent effectively to the two parliaments, to the UK Parliament and the European Parliament. I mean, <sighs> we're nowhere near to that for for. for 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 June now, I mean the June Council's not even being talked about as that anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, I was just thinking, you know, I was just thinking about what media we should be doing over the, you know, of, what media uh, we should be looking at doing over 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 that. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's going to be nothing agreed. There's going to be a statement saying we've made progress in some areas and we have to accelerate the progress in all of the other ones absolutely massively. Um, or we're not going to get close to a not going to get close to an agreement. I do wonder whether there's a strategic thing here as well that that, that uh, so much of the UK's strategy, such as it's been, has been about kicking the can down the road. And I wonder if, and they've done that domestically as well. By, I mean we don't know when the legislation on the uh, the withdrawal bill is actually going to come back to the Commons with the mm-hmm. Lords to, to have the Lords amendments voted on it. You wonder whether they think whether they fall into this trap of thinking that it can all be done. You know, at an all-nighter in February, I feel that real essay crisis stuff, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, and that, that's a, that's a real, real worry because the parliament have to the parliament have to find it off. The European Parliament have to find it off, and 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 actually, I think the the UK Parliament have to find it off as well. And this can't be done. This can't be done in a second. It can't be done in a minute. And it you can't without legal legal agreed text in place, you can't move to the you can't move to the transition period. Um, and I don't think an extension is going to be granted because the UK deliberately did this. If it, you know, if, if it looks like they have done it, so this is—I mean, this is a very, very dangerous situation to be in. It's—it's uh, it's if you feel a
1: little bit like um, when you're on the road and um, you're, you're you're driving um, you know, sensibly, and somebody, you spot somebody. And they're driving badly and erratically, and they're coming towards you, and they're taking more up, you know, more more than your their half of the road. And you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, you end up you have no choice. It, it, it's galling, and infuriating, but you simply have to kind of slow right down and pull over and just hope that they go away. Because this is what the Dutch do when the Be- when the fear Belgian number <laughs> played by the. Way. <laughs> because you know what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to? let these people i mean these people may be idiots and they may be breaking the law and they may be behaving in an incredibly selfish uh, and destructive way but uh, you know um what are you going to do <laughs> you, you yeah. still need to you still need to, to look after yourself and i mean so, the, alter-
0: the alternative the alternative possibility is that essentially may just gives in just caves you know i just 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 uh just give just gives in as as, as she hasn't you know on the financial settlement for example um, you know, it was bluffed uh, right up until the right up until the very moment that they just said, "Okay, yeah, we'll pay it." Absolutely, um, oh, it's a bit of a gamble. And
1: and and this again, this this this,
0: this, if, this if that, part that was of the blame, but part of the blaming Brussels thing is also directed at her her own MPs. You know, and the, the this is the thing about the blame myth is it works for everybody. It works for the E.R.G. Um, it, and it works for the and it works for the government because you know if may gets to the point where she can say look there 's just we 're not doing no deal we 're not having that, but there 's just i 've put up a fight i 've put up a fight for two years, but there 's just no way we can make any more progress, and that 's why we 've had to and that 's why we 've had to give in you know that 's the narrative for why she for why she has to do that or it's rank stupidity and, and simply not realise actually believing that they're going to they're they're change and they're going to adjust everything to, to, to suit the UK, which is a possibility among some, eh? I mean, and judging by some of the pronouncements, this is obviously oh. still uh, uh, considered a possibility by, yeah. by by some, you know?
1: And all the ev- all the evidence seems to point at that. It just, yeah, it I mean, just it's, seems it's, to take a it's belief, really though, be- so.
0: It's really hard to believe that, I mean... OK, we know uh, we know the cabinet ministers aren't, aren't necessarily selected... You know, they're selected for political reasons, but, I mean, it's very hard to believe... I, I find it very hard to huh, even just come to terms with the idea that anybody could possibly believe this is going well, you know? Well, listen... I mean, it's going very, very badly.
1: Listen, um, your, that, that, that gives us a segue into... I don't know how much more we can extract from this conversation because i, I, I it, well, it's just hopeless eh? it does feel very hopeless uh again something we say all the time but it, it just does it really does um i don't know is there anything else useful that we can analyze and extract and and
0: um how could you just say that's an absolute pile of shit and has to be stopped <laughs> at the earliest convenience i mean there's just i mean I can it's just what we, said, what we said earlier you know that we couldn't believe that it would possibly go that this badly.
1: Yeah.
0: You know the, the the damage of Brexit could have been limited. And yeah. um, by by the negotiations being gone about properly. Um and it didn't it just didn't have to be this way. But it is. This well, way.
1: <coughs> it is, isn't it? I'm going to be out on the 23rd of June uh, marching. Are you going to be are you going to be out that?
0: Yes, I am, absolutely. I'll are be you? There. Yeah. Oh. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll join you. I'll,
1: I'll join you. Um, that I'm looking forward to that It's going to be great uh, I might dress up as Captain Remain But I might not Oh Christ <laughs> Probably won't
0: <laughs> you marching but, on your uh... own if you do
1: <laughs> But um because I, I was thinking of segueing into Li- lie of the week because uh, lie of the week. Okay. So we've got some fantastic candidates, um, which I'll we'll come to after you play the music, Steve. But as um, right. it, it, th- like a real segue into what we've just been talking about, so yeah, hit the music, run the music. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. You're a liar. So Lie of the Week, uh, this week, Lie of the Week is uh, cabinet special, as in every lie that we've got is from a senior <laughs> cabinet figure. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, links very neatly into all the depressing things that we've been talking about, um, unrealistic, uh, fantasy notions, cakeism, um totally blaming, bonkers. blame game, you know, so yeah. yeah.
0: So, and exceptionalism, a big dose of exceptionalism. Oh,
1: huge, yeah. huge dose huge, of delicious... great fucking icing dollops of exceptionalism. Iced exceptionalism Yeah. yeah. Um, first, first up... Oh, Christ. ...perennial champion liar, the generalissimo of <laughs> fibs himself, Boris Johnson. I would... Um, I should probably call him by the name that I used to call him back in the early days of the podcast, but my two daughters are asleep upstairs and might hear me, so I'm not going to use that. Yes, I'm not sure you should call them that. Um, Mr Johnson claimed he was the first British Foreign Secretary in 50 years to visit Peru and the first in 25 years to go to Chile and Argentina, (laughs) suggesting this was because being a member of the EU had made the UK, quotes, more Eurocentric and less instinctively global than we had been (laughs) Can right. I just say
0: first that is not the reason the British Foreign Secretaries have not visited Argentina <laughs> the reason British Foreign Secretaries have not visited Argentina is to do yeah. with the little war they had. Yeah, it's the EU. Yeah no no it's of yeah, course cool. totally. it's, it's the EU. fucking European Union. Yeah so, nothing um, to do nothing to do with the Falklands. So
1: <laughs> Obviously, this immediately prompted a whole bunch of people, including myself, to go and do the most basic bit of research <laughs> on the Internet and come up with fantastic statistics on EU foreign ministers yes. <laughs> and how often they've been visiting Latin America. So the, the – the, 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 French and the Germans con- basically seem to be in constant competition with each other to see which of them can go to Latin America more often. The Spanish yeah, effectively live there.
0: Live <laughs> <laughs> The
1: Italians are out there all the time. And So you, you look at the the most recent trips for EU foreign ministers, and they're all within the last five years, except for the UK, which was, before this recent trip by Boris Johnson, 1966. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... So, so, so Johnson, Johnson is blaming the European Union for the fact that the UK could not bother its fucking ass to go. There. <laughs> oh dear! Oh. so for so, uh, so the should we move on to the next live? Of the week? Yeah. So
1: so, dear old Boris Johnson. Well done, Boris, um, for for being uh, being being there on, on on the list. But I'm afraid well, that, your competitor. Michael Gove has pipped you to the post with <laughs> three lies this week. Three. <laughs> <laughs> three absolutely classic lies. So.
0: Can I do the, can I do the first yes, one, please? Yes, you go. Please. Michael Gove said, and th- this is a direct quote, Britain has become more welcoming to migration since the referendum vote. The UK has the warmest attitude to immigration.
1: Well, what can you say? That's what
0: why so, so many EU nationals are moving back to the EU.
1: I mean what and what can you say? I mean, and what depresses me is that this is this this is this is one of those lies that people tell themselves that because they don't they they, 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 they don't want to face the reality of what's happened. And they they, well, they want to convince themselves that this is true.
0: Well, where it came from, is it came from a study which seems seems to have some uh, some good ground a survey that seems to have some good grounding. The that, fa- that found that uh, immigration had slipped down people's list of <laughs> list of pr- list of priorities, you know, mm. um, and the reason for this seems pretty clear: is that um, concern for immigration was deliberately whipped up as part of the strategy well. to uh, mm. to win the to win the Brexit ref- referendum, um, and people think that that 's done with now, and yeah. therefore there's there's no there's no no necessity so, so it has slipped down so it is true that it is that it's slipped down the the, the lift of priorities and, and fewer people are concerned by by immigration now and um, so like the i think the very best life it has it has some basis somewhere down there in something that 's true you know
1: but it, yes it, it, it's a massive distortion of something that actually is a very is a very sad st- statistic and a very sad development um and, and it's being spun completely the other way as if um there are many reasons why this lie uh is is repeated and and has taken hold taken root in people's minds. I mean I had a I had a bit of an argument with a uh, uh, a a British journalist for a, for a, one of the big broadsheets. Just last week over this where where, where um we were <laughs> narrowing it down to about three possible <laughs> people <like. laughs> well, i had i had this i had we had we we'd been out for a for a drink because this is a friend of mine as well <laughs> but i don't agree with him very much on <laughs> politics and and um we got into this discussion and 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 it's absolute conviction that Britain is by far and away the most welcoming country in Europe to immigrants and treats um, treats EU migrants better than any other EU country. And you know there are reasons for somebody to say that, but it's because they, they don't have to register at the town hall. Exactly, exactly. Stuff. That's what, there's, that's there's what also, it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: But that, when you look
1: basically. at the reality of what has been happening to our friends and our family members. Yeah, and you look at the reality of the hostile environment. that is an, an an overt, stated, deliberate policy. Yeah, yeah. You can't argue that Britain's become more welcoming or that it has the warmest attitude to migration. You just can't argue
0: that when you've got targets to reduce migration, well, and immigration. Yeah? When
1: you look at Germany and Sweden and what? I mean,
0: fuck's sake.
1: You know, yeah. When, you know, look, there was a fantastic piece. I will dig out the. the I will dig out the, the the Twitter thread. An absolutely fantastic Twitter thread from uh, one of the one of the people that um, that we follow uh, in Germany, who who's a British um, person who's emigrated to Germany and settled in Germany, going through. The the way in which he was welcomed into that community and his family was welcomed into that community and the way in which that happened and just the the, 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 the almost the sort of how he was showered with love by yeah, these yeah. new neighbours and what a contrast and I'm not it's not always, as if every British person is racist and horrible and and, and and welcoming that's that's definitely not true we know that's not true and we're no, no, not, of course not. <laughs> but the, the I, system. I, I
0: no, I mean, I got married. I got married in in in, in Brussels, in uh, Saint Gilles, Saint Gilles Town Hall. Cause we li- in in Belgium, when you get married, you have to get married at your at the town hall of the commune that you live in. And for um, so the burgomaster, did the did the the, the ceremony, and we, we were having a we were having a, a, a another ceremony with all the family and stuff. so It was quite small. It was just us and a, a couple of friends as witnesses, and we we you know we told them this in advance, and we you know. And he made this incredible speech, you know, thanking us for having chosen to start our life together in Belgium and to have chosen for it to be Brussels and then for have chosen for it to be Saint-Gilles. And he talked about the, the commune of Saint-Gilles and that it was the most international, that it had the most language spoken of any commune in, in, in Belgium, but also had one of the lowest, uh, one of the lowest, uh, GDPs in, am oh, not, uh equivalent in was also one of the poorest communes and that we could have chosen anyone and we were so grateful that we'd chosen here and you know and it was i mean it was an em- a sort of embarrassment of welcome you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean we we felt embarrassed that we'd only invited a couple of friends as uh mm-hmm. as as uh as witnesses and that we hadn't you know that we hadn't shown we <laughs> you know that, that, that we hadn't shown enough an, enough commitment to it um but it was absolutely overwhelming i mean we Talk about it all the all the time, and mm. it's really hard to imagine that being the welcome at your local town hall in mm. uh, in Solihull, you know. Mm. No, indeed,
1: um, indeed. I mean, it's, it's and just. And also,
0: my landlord, my landlord here, didn't ask me for proof that I was,
1: <laughs> that I was allowed didn't to. Didn't Shop be, you to, didn't me to the roses.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, got, yeah, no. I mean, you have a you have a system that's deliberately set up to have mm. employers and mm. landlords and so on policing it, yeah. and and snitch, snitching on people. I mean, this is this is hostile environment. There's a word yeah. for this, yeah. and, the, and the, the the term for it was invented by the people who designed it. They weren't even pretending. Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, don't give us this shit, Michael Gove. <laughs> Fuck and, off. And <laughs> Fuck c- off with are welcoming <laughs>
0: migration
1: <laughs> So, so, uh, so that's that's my that's Michael Gove's first lie, and the second lie. Can I do the second lie as well?
0: Yeah, you do. You do. All right. the full, the full okay. The well. second lie.
1: This is a tweet from Conservative uh, Press office, the Conservative Party Press Office, uh, quoting Michael Gove. Brexit provides opportunities to revive mm. coastal communities that have been in decline restore landscapes and habits, they mean habitats which yeah. have been neglected to health nurture new rural enterprises in parts of the country which have been overlooked in the past so the implication here it it's implied it's not asserted it's implied that it's the eu that's responsible for coastal communities in decline for well, if not, the landscape not, hang on it's let me implied, let me sh-
0: if not implied it says Brexit provides the opportunities. It, that is saying what, this couldn't happen without Brexit.
1: It's saying that the EU is responsible for um, putting these coastal communities into decline and for, uh, for neglecting landscapes and habitats and for overlooking parts of the country, which is just it, – it's it Orwellian double it, – it, it could not be further from the truth.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: It couldn't, literally couldn't be further from the truth. It is the EU that has been pouring money through the regional funds, through the structural funds, into these regions which were neglected and put into decline by the British government. Yeah, yeah. And um, specifically, I'm afraid, conservative governments. Yeah, absolutely. So, I come from a coastal community, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, it is. It, it. It's. I think this is. This. This has to be my lie of the week. I. I was. I'm so offended by this.
0: But it ties it, up with the third. It ties up with the third one. Yes. Um. A new a new wave of national parks could be created under Michael Gove's plans for a Green Brexit. Yeah. Well, you this. First, firstly, talk to any Green Party uh, MEP, and in fact, not not only them. Like Catherine Bearder said the other the other day, um, there is no Green Brexit. I mean, Brexit can only can only can only be negative for uh, for 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 green for green issues. Uh, there can be no positive from it. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the fact. It's axiomatic, yeah, it's it's absolutely axiomatic. I mean, what you're doing is you're uh, you're you're moving away with a view to diverging from the regulations of uh, the best and most progressive green regulator in 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 the globe. Mm. You know and you're you're moving away from that specifically so that you can regulate differently yeah. uh, differently to them so there's no there's no green breakfast, but i'm not sure chris i can't remember you might you might be able to remember, but i can't remember the regulation or directive that bans government from setting up national parks
1: <laughs> so so I tweeted uh, so it wasn't anywhere near as viral as your famous tweet um of this week, but I tweeted um what? Which? What, what exactly is it about EU membership that is stopping Michael Gove creating a wave of new national parks right now? <laughs> and this, yeah. this this definitely seems to strike a chord because I, I actually I at one point it even got retweeted by uh, a former American presidential
0: candidate
1: Howard Dean. <laughs> I'm thinking,
0: wow. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know he would be. Inter- I, 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 didn't, I, know. I didn't know he would be interested in whether there'd be new national parks in the UK. I as just, well, think, just, I I just think. I think people. I think
1: Michael Gove's lies are so. People are. <laughs> they annoy so many people. <laughs> I think you have got the entire establishment of the Democrat Party in the US. It's sort of like, oh God, not Michael Gove lying about Brexit
0: again. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I suppose probably light, it's light, light relief from the really fucking big guys well, in America. I suppose, or yeah. Or, yeah, well, yeah. well,
1: I suppose I think yeah, they, they, I think they're
0: yeah. they're all very good and and very they're linked, they're linked. Linked. And linked. and again yeah. and again come to exactly the exactly the point that's been running through this cakeism special. Uh, that yeah. yeah, that the UK is different, you know.
1: Tell a lie big enough, and uh, you know enough people will believe it's the truth. I mean, it, it's. Steve, how depressing!
0: <laughs> I think on that, that unbelievably, de- unbelievably depressing note, we should probably leave it. Yeah, I think um, you're right. Otherwise, we'll do what we often do, and then we'll think of something funny instead, and 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 leave people with a with a with a good taste in their mouth. And you're We don't chaser. want that. We don't want that. We want yeah. we're we're here to howl into the void. Yeah, sip those bitter <laughs> dregs. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's another another week. So uh, uh, expect another expect more uh, blame giving and misdirection in the next week, and uh, and hopefully we'll be back to talk. It's about a it. bonus, to moan about it, yes. And in the meantime, yeah.
1: you can catch us moaning on Twitter, which uh, we both do uh, from time to time. Um, What's your handle? Mine is autocrat o t t o c r
0: a t autocrat. Yep. and mine is guitar moog. That's spelled guitar moog. <laughs> so,
1: if you've um, if you, if you've come to this podcast by some route other than Twitter, firstly how
0: yeah, how else <laughs> do <situation? laughs>
1: But secondly, yeah, do give us a follow on on Twitter.
0: Um, yeah, and uh, great. Okay, and we'll be back next week uh, with. We're planning some, uh, some Ask Cake Watchers as well, which we've been <laughs> yeah. neglecting of late. We so have been gonna... super neglecting that. We have yeah, actually we're gonna recorded a whole bunch.
1: bunch. Yeah, we've recorded yeah. a bunch, but we haven't got around to putting it out yet. Yeah, so we so we're going
0: we're gonna to get back on that. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night.